good morning again. You, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but there's, there's something different about today. There's something good. It just gets gooder and gooder, as Pastor Larry would say, in God's kingdom. We get to grow from glory to glory. And um, I just sense it. I sense God's goodness over this service, um, over what God wants to do. So hopefully you're sensing it and you're anticipating something new, something fresh that God wants to do. Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to call it a series um, this morning, uh, leading up this Sunday, the next two Sundays, uh, ending on Pentecost, and then I'll say ending, springboarding into whatever God has after Pentecost. Um, but for the next three services, we're going to be talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, I know uh, we, this church is a spirit-filled church. We're technically non-denominational, right? So we have no affiliation with any other outside church. Um, but we are doctrinally, we are a Pentecostal, charismatic, uh, spirit-filled church. We believe in all the gifts uh, for today. And I just want to do a little bit of both, a little bit of teaching, of instruction from God's word, a little bit of, um, I don't know if I even want to say the word doctrine, uh, but just a basis of understanding why we believe what we believe. And then... I don't want it just to be information today. I also want it to be, as we did through worship, an encounter, an experience that somehow we let go. You know my favorite Bible verse that's in the foyer, right? We lean not on our own understanding. I want to use my understanding. I want to study God's word, show myself approved. I, I want to facilitate the brain that God's given me. But at some point, I'm not limited just to just my understanding. I want to have an understanding, and I also want to have an encounter and an experience. I want both. And so I love that God's word is that, that we serve an omnipotent, uh, unlimited, right, God. He's an infinite God. And how could we as finite beings get him in a nice little package? So I'm going to do some things today to help us maybe understand at some level. But at some level, it's just a basic understanding. Because at some point, my mind cannot fully grasp who God is. And so that's kind of basis of where we're headed. Um, so this morning, the title of this morning's message is The Gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm plagiarizing because it is the title of a book uh, that our founding father, Jack Stiles, his dad, Jack Stiles Sr., wrote this book um, back in the 40s, I think. I should go back and read it. I should have known that before I said that. But I think it was 40s. Maybe it was 50s. Um, that he wrote this book. Nice little picture of him, J.E. Stiles, on the front. If you don't have one of these books... Go try to find one, and good luck towards you, because they're not in print anymore. They're not being published, um, but you can find them used books, and um, I remember the first time I went to go look for one, uh, the first hit I had was on eBay, and I think it was like $125. Um, so they're hard to find, but you might be get lucky and get one. Um, I will, I'll just say it now. In fact, um, I've gotten permission from the family, the Stiles family. Uh, we have a PDF version, a digital version, where it's just literally photocopied of the pages from the book. Um, and they've given us permission for this church to have that. Obviously, we can't sell it. We can't make it a book and go publish it and sell it. They don't want that. But they want access for Osborne Neighborhood Church to have that. So if you're interested, um, either see me or what I'll do is I'll put a link to the PDF uh, online on the YouTube uh, uh, or Facebook, both. I'll do it on both. I'll put a link for today's Sunday. I'll put a link for the PDF. And if you want to download that and read it, I encourage you. It's about 100-something pages, 125 pages. Um, so anyways, that's, I'm going to be pulling from this book for the next three Sundays. Obviously, this book, and also what I'm pulling from, is from this book. Um, but I just want to let you know that they're both in tandem. Um, so I love that. This is the foundation, right? Jack Styles, 
uh, Junior is the one who built this church physically and spiritually, and we've inherited this church from him. And so this is our roots. This is our heritage. So I'm not teaching new doctrine or strange doctrine. It's uh, the same that this church has always believed in. And really, it's the same all the way back from Acts chapter 2, which we'll get into. So let me pray before I keep rambling all this information. Let me pray that the Holy Spirit continues his anointing, not just on me, but on all of us to have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Amen. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that your presence is real in this room. God, we sense it and we know it and we treasure it. God, and we value it and we give it honor and we ask for more of it. May your presence be real even as I share your word. God, may faith arise. Your, your word says that, that our faith increases from the word of God. And so would that be true in my life today, God? May I hear what the Spirit has to say, and may my faith be enlarged. May I increase the glory and honor that I give you today. So we ask for your presence. We ask for your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So really quick, I'm going to go through the gift of the Holy Spirit, who, what, when, where, why, hows, right? I'm going to do it like in one sentence, and then we'll go back. So who? Who is the Holy Spirit, right? I could give a whole doc series of doctrine, right, on who the Holy Spirit is. So really, the Holy Spirit, God, part of the Trinity, right? Um, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift from God to you. I'll leave it at that. That's the who. From God to you. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is it? I'm going to give a short statement from this book, and then we'll go back and kind of unpack it some more. But what is the gift of the Holy Spirit? A further filling as a result of a further yielding. A further feeling as a result of a further yielding or further surrender. So who, what, when? When did we get the gift of the Holy Spirit? After Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, right? The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And it's still available today. Since the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, today. When? Right now. When is it available? Right now. Where? Um, here and now. Here on this earth right? It is available here. It's available in this very room. Why? Why do we need the gift of the Holy Spirit? For the power to live like Jesus and advance his kingdom. Why do we need the gift of the Holy Spirit? To be more like Christ, to advance his kingdom. Jesus even said, don't do ministry without it. He told his disciples, don't do any ministry until, wait until you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then do ministry. So we'll unpack that some more too. So who, what, when, where, why, how? That's the last one. How do you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? The same as salvation. By grace, right? Through faith, right? You just receive it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work your way towards it. It's not a, a, a statement of that you became spiritual enough to then qualify for the gift. It's the same thing as being saved. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint that received the gift of the Holy Spirit by grace, through faith. So that's it. So that's the who, what, when, where, why, hows. All right. So now we'll go back, look at it a little bit more. But I just wanted to give you that quick rundown basis of it. So this idea, the gift of the Holy Spirit, you may have heard this, a different phrase. And I love the book kind of describes that as the baptism into the Holy Spirit or being filled to the fullness of the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit, all the same thing. The gift of the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, being filled with the Spirit, same thing. Um, I'm not going to, like I said, I have tons of scripture I could throw out at you, but super quick, I'll just share with you. Acts chapter two, it says they were 
filled with the Holy Spirit. It says they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Both filled, received, a gift. Acts chapter 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit after he was saved. Acts chapter 10, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. These are just, I'm giving you the verbiage of the Bible. Uh, Acts 10, 45, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, Acts 10, 47, they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 11, 15, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Uh, Acts 11, 16, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 9, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 13, 52, again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 15, 8, they were given the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, 2, they received the Holy Spirit when they believed. Acts 19, 6, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Why am I reading all that to you? Just showing you the scripture. We're not going to look at all these. This is a crash course this morning. Like I said, this is, I'll just give it to you now. We're going over a crash course this morning of what the gift of the Holy Spirit is. Next Sunday, we're going to unpack some evidence, and one of that being speaking in tongues. So next Sunday is going to be dedicated to the evidence of speaking in tongues. What is that? Why do we need that? Is it relevant? Is there different types of tongues? We're going to go over that next Sunday. But this Sunday is a crash course on the gift of the Holy Spirit or being baptized into the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'll do this really quick. Tangent, but it's not. It's all related. Who here has ever heard, at least I have, growing up, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And it's semantics. It's fine if you say that. I will not correct you if you say baptism of the Holy Spirit. But technically, the correct way to say it would be baptism into the Holy Spirit. Again, this is like a sad tangent, but I'm just trying to give you, it's a crash course. Am I, am I allowed to like do really run quick things and come back? Because it's just a crash course. So the Holy Spirit is actually who baptized you into Christ when you got saved. It, Jake read a verse last Sunday. He says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. So you never would have came to Christ unless the Holy Spirit invited you to him. So you're, you becoming a Christian, you already had an experience with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the seal of your salvation. There's all kinds of things that talk about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is the one that convicted you of sin, told you that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. The Holy Spirit did that work in your life. So he baptized you into relationship so that you were fully receiving Jesus. You got the fullness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus. Sunday school trivia. What did John the Baptist, talking about baptisms, what did John the Baptist say about Jesus? He says, he is greater than me and he will baptize you, what? Into the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a baptizer. The Holy Spirit is a baptizer. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, he already baptized you into Christ. Jesus is also a baptizer and he wants to baptize you into the Holy Spirit. They're two separate accounts. I love that the Old Testament, these festivals, these Jewish, we had these Jewish roots classes. We just had a Passover Seder. I love that. That is a different festival and a different time of remembering things that happened in the past. Passover is different than Pentecost. There are two separate events happened at different times. I'm going to tell you that the baptism into Jesus Christ is a separate event than the baptism into the Holy Spirit. Some believe you get all the Holy Spirit at the same time you got saved. That's what a lot of Christians believe. Actually, let me read to you the very first line of this book. Chapter one, first line. From Jack Stiles, not me, from Jack Stiles Sr. Many believe that all Christians receive the Holy Spirit in all his fullness at the time they are saved, but this is evidently not true. 
He says this, Jesus made a difference between the spirit being with people and in them. And he quotes John 14, 16 through 17. So should we read John 14, 16 through 17? I think I have that. John 14, 16 through 17. It talks, Jesus says this, right? And he says, and I will pray to the father and he will give you another helper. Who's that other helper? The Holy Spirit, that's the name for him, that he may abide with you forever. What's the next verse? The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Will be in you. This is Jesus in red letters talking to his disciples. And he's saying, the Holy Spirit is already with you. He already invited you to follow me. You follow me. Great. He's with you. You have the Holy Spirit. So if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, you have the Holy Spirit. You do. I will not argue with you. You have the Holy Spirit. He's with you, just like he's with the disciples. But Jesus said, but he will be at one point in you. Right now, he's not. And when the day of Pentecost comes, he will then come in you. There is a filling of the Holy Spirit or a receiving of the gift or a baptism. So I love that. Jesus makes it plain and clear. In red letters, you can argue with me about your doctrine. I'll just point you to Jesus. Jesus says the Holy Spirit can be with you and he can be in you. They can be two separate things. So I love that. Um, I love that I'm not defending my own doctrine here this morning. I, I feel no weight to defend myself. I am just sharing God's word and sharing with you my experience and the truth that I see in God's word. You can do with it what you want, um, but I, I love that it's here. It's real. It's available. So, all right. So we read some of those things, that the Holy Spirit is our helper, or in some translations, our advocate. What's another, I, we were praying this morning, so some, I'll, I'll hear some responses. What are some other names or attributes of the Holy Spirit that you know from the Bible? Comforter. Comforter. Guides you into all truth. Guides you into all truth. Yeah. Spirit of truth guides you into truth. Yep. What was it? Healer. Healer. All right, yeah. I mean, he, he, he brings the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of the gifts of the Spirit is healing. So I, I agree. Helper, right? And I love that word helper. We'll go on that one for a second. That word helper in, in Greek is paraclete, that he comes alongside. And the very first time, I know the New Testament is Greek, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, different language. But the very first time you see the word helper in the Bible is in Genesis. Anyone remember? Helper? Eve. Some people, when you hear that, when you read the Genesis story, you think, oh, Eve was his helper. So it's, it's a less than position. I don't have it all in front of me, but let me tell you that in the te Old Testament, multiple times, when God is talking to the nation of Israel, he tells the people of Israel, the Lord your God is your helper. So let me ask you, who has the lesser position, the people of God or God himself? And God refers to himself as the helper. So in no way is Eve less than Adam, and in no way is the Holy Spirit less than Jesus or the Father. So I just want to make that clear. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit has all authority, has all power. He has all the, what, the omnipotence, all power. He's omniscient, knows everything, and he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. The Holy Spirit is all those things. And yet, again, doctrine, I'm not going to explain it. The Trinity Right? At some point in Sunday school, I remember learning about it, you know, like an egg. There's the out shell, there's the white stuff, there's the yolk, right? 
helped this little five-year-old kind of understand three in one. But at some point, when my brain really starts to figure it out, I'm like, ah, my head hurts because I can't figure out how do they have separate personalities, but they're the same God. And they have, ah, how does the Father know something that Jesus doesn't know, but Jesus says he's omniscient and knows everything. And my brain hurts, right? But at some point, the Holy Spirit, we need to recognize the Holy Spirit is God. And I feel like one of, the, one of the things that God wants to deal with this morning is somehow Jesus seems very welcoming and inviting. He seems very comforting and safe. Jesus, oh, I just want more of Jesus, yes. But when we say Holy Spirit, maybe I won't pinpoint you out. I know growing up in the church, there was times where I saw the Holy Spirit moving. And I'm just letting you know, in my flesh, I was a little bit scared. It was a little bit strange, a little bit weird to me. But I love that the Holy Spirit is not strange or weird or scary. In fact, if you trust Jesus, Jesus is the one that wants to baptize you into the Holy Spirit. Do you trust Jesus? Good old Jesus, loving shepherd Jesus, right? Jesus loves the little children. Yes, he does. But I love, again, what John says. There's two statements that John makes about Jesus. Two statements. What does he say? He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is who Jesus is. He cleans up my messes. All my sins, all my failures, praise God, there's a Jesus who saves me from all my sins. He, whatever mess I make, he cleans it up. Can I tell you as a dad, I've done that a lot in my household. I got four kids. I've cleaned up a lot of messes that were not my messes. Somebody else made the mess, and I cleaned it up for them. Still to this day, I clean up messes. But I love that John didn't make just one statement. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, Jesus, I want Jesus to take and clean up my messes. But he also says, and he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. Something uncontainable, something uncontrollable that we have to submit to Jesus, not just being someone who cleans up our messes, but has all authority and gets to tell us how things are, whether we like that or not. Yep. So there's some things that maybe you don't like the way the Holy Spirit operates. You don't like, maybe this morning, maybe you, you don't like some of the things that even happened this morning during worship. It makes you uncomfortable. At some point, Jesus says, I don't care. <laughs> As a good dad, at some point I tell my kids, I'm not going to clean up that mess. It's not just my job to be someone who cleans up your mess. It's also my job to instill the fear of dad into your life. That you should see the fire of dad in my eyes when I say, stop right now. Right? There should be something about Jesus that he is welcoming and loving and he's gracious and he's kind. And yet there's something about Jesus. He says, I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And if there's fear, too bad. If you love me and trust me, you will do what I say. Amen. I'm knowing my notes, and I've got at least three sermonfuls worth of notes this morning. So uh, let me see where we want to go next. Are we talking about helper, paraclete? All right. He's our comforter. And I love that. The Holy Spirit really is your comforter. But if you think about that, when do you need comfort? When you've gone through something difficult. So guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to comfort you, but he's also going to lead you to things that are difficult. He's going to have you go through things where you need his 
power. There's another attribute of the Holy Spirit, right? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The idea of the Holy Spirit is, yes, he's to comfort us. He's to give us the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. He's to enhance our life to make it better, right? All those things. But he also comes to fill us with power from on high. I, I don't know about you, but when I think about power, that word in Greek, right, you know, dunamis, explosive, like dynamite. There's kind of two ways that he brings power. One where it's explosive and it erupts, and one where it's enduring power. The Holy Spirit gives me power to do something dynamite, something that I could never have done on my own in that moment, in that instance. He also gives me enduring power. Right? I think about, really quick, even Paul. He said, I had this thorn in the flesh, and he asked for God to remove it. Even Paul had to go through something where he had to endure there's always something where we have to endure and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to endure, to not grow weary in our well-doing. But if that's all it is, you're missing out. It's also gotta be that dynamite power where all of a sudden you are filled with power from on high and you are doing things, saying things, things are coming out of you that you could never have done on your own. Hmm. All right. So I'll jump back into maybe some more teaching doctrine stuff. Um, this idea of, is it really biblical, right? So I read through a whole bunch of accounts. I read some from Jesus himself, from John the Baptist. Um, all right, we'll touch on this one. I, got, I have way too many things to touch on, but how many gospels are there in the New Testament? Four. Four. So there's the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where they have a lot of the same accounts and they have almost some of the same verbiage sometimes. They, they read each other's gospels when they wrote them. So they, they know each other and, and they, they talked about it. John, that fourth gospel, he's his own character and he does his own, he plays to a different tune, right? And so in John's gospel, there's actually only four accounts that you'll find in Jesus's life that are in all four gospels. Four things that they all talk about. Same exact stories. One easy, Jesus' birth, Jesus' death, and his resurrection. That's three. I missed one. Uh-oh, what is it? His baptism. All four Gospels record Jesus' baptism. It's interesting that all four Gospels record that Jesus is a baptizer. I just want to... This is this biblical. It's not me making things up and that baptism of the Holy Spirit is some strange fringe thing that our church believes in. This is core and central to our faith. If you are a Christ follower, then you have to obey him. You follow whatever he says, whatever his word does. And it's all four gospels. Again, it's very limited. Four things. And that's one of the four. They record that Jesus is a baptizer. And they record the example that Jesus is. That Jesus was water baptized. And then after he was water baptized, what happened? The Holy Spirit fell or came upon or he received the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. Even Jesus, the part of the Trinity, was an example for us showing us that you can be water baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm not gonna go through it because there's way too much scripture to go through it, but all through the Old Testament and New Testament, there's actually three baptisms. The baptism of your salvation, being baptized into Christ, water baptism, and then the baptism into the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but think about the tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle. There was a sacrifice that took place in the outer courts. You had to kill a lamb, sounds like salvation to me, right? For the forgiveness of sins. 
Then you had to wash your hands with water. Or even in Jesus' day, they had big pools called mikvahs, and you would submerge your whole self and wash your whole body before you'd go into the temple. Sounds like water baptism to me. And before you go into the holy place, before you go into the most holy place, and only one person on one day, right, could do that, before they did that, what did they do? Poured oil all over their head, a whole bottle, a full bottle of oil all over their head. Not just the one little like we do up here, one little dab of oil. An entire full bottle till you were full of oil. I wonder what that third baptism could represent. It's all throughout Scripture. So this is not some fringe thing. I just want to make sure we're understanding this. This is, this is core and central to the biblical truth of who we are as Christians, as God followers. We need a third baptism. And it's a separate event. All three of those were separate things that these priests did. Uh, all right, I already referenced that. We'll skip that. Um, Yeah, that's good too. <laughs> All right, you can open your Bibles if you want. Acts 2.38, right? This is the day of Pentecost. We shall at least hit this one, right? Acts 2.38, this is after, right after the Holy Spirit, it says that the heavens were ripped open, the Spirit of God came down like a mighty rushing wind, and the 120 that were in the upper room, right? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, the tongue of fire, and then they go out into the streets, people think they're drunk, because they're manifesting, and it looks strange and weird. Even back in the day of Pentecost, it looked weird, and people were fearful. And Peter comes up and says, no, you should not be afraid of this strange thing you're seeing. We're not drunk. This is actually biblical. This is actually the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2.38, maybe I should turn there. Um, this is Peter explaining what's going on, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and what's available to us. Um, actually, just put up on the slide. I'll read it from there. It's taking me too long to get there. So it says this. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop there. Stop there. Go back to that verse. Do you see three things? First, you must repent of your sins. Sounds like salvation. Repent of your sins. You are a sinner and you need to be saved by Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Then it says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's water baptism. Peter is explaining, this is, again, I just want to explain this. This is not Ryan teaching this. This is Peter, the apostle. Peter, the head of the church. He's explaining how this works to follow Jesus. Repent and be saved of your sins. Be water baptized. And then what does he say? Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a third thing. You will receive it. It's available. What's the next verse, right? The next verse. I love the next verse, 39. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Who are those far away? Us. Us. He says it's not limited to just the 12 disciples. It's not limited to the 3,000 that are listening to me right now. It's actually for your children, the next generation, and for every generation to come after that. This is the gospel, the full gospel. And you hear me say this all the time, that if you... Come to this church and you just want your ticket to heaven, you came to the wrong church. Because I believe in salvation. I believe in that Jesus is the only way you can be saved from your sins. But I want more than that. In fact, let me read to you a second quote from chapter 2 of this book because it's so good. Let me find it. Because when I read this, I was like, oh, 
I say this all the time and I'm not off my rocker. Jack Stiles said it too. So he says this in chapter two. There is something far more important than just to get eternal life. And that is that we should fully honor him who loved us and gave himself for us. And how may we fully honor him? Our answer is by being like him. And then he goes on, how do you become like him? The Holy Spirit is your helper. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you to do what Jesus did. Everything that Jesus did in the Gospels, other than die on the cross for humanity's salvation, but all the miracles, all the casting out demons, all the things that signs and wonders that Jesus did was an example for us as his followers. And he says, if you want to fully honor Jesus, that means you have to become like him. You have to do what Jesus did. Yeah, but that seems strange and that's like scary to like cast out demons. Like I don't even want to talk about demons. That's scary. I, I can remember as a kid, I did not like any talk about demons. Like when a movie would come on and where's my mom? I'm throwing her the bus. I watched like rated R movies when I was really young. I watched movies I shouldn't have been watching that I would never let my kids watch at that age. But I, I watched, I know I watched movies, you know, that weren't necessarily always Christian. But anytime it came to demonic stuff, I was like, no, nope, turn that stuff off. Like, no, not happening. Like, like I'd go to a friend's house and they would, this is not, maybe I'm going too fringe here. They'd put on Chucky. That was new when I was a kid. And all that. I'm like, no, not me. I am not watching that stuff. Like anything that had to do with demonic stuff, I was like, no, I don't even want to hear it. Like, no, 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 no. No, I don't want to know anything about it. But at some point, I have to grow up and I have to become like Jesus. And it says that one of the purposes, it says in the God's word, man, I wish I had all these things. I have too much in here and I'm not even gonna look for it. But one of the reasons that Jesus came here on earth was to undo the work of the enemy. It says in scripture, that's his purpose. I know he came to save the world from our sins. That is another purpose. But God's word actually says the purpose Jesus came to earth was to crush the head of Satan. And you and I are created in his image. And Jesus is saying, I want to empower you to do what I did. So at some point we can't be, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear anything about demons. We have to say, okay, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can cast out demons. It doesn't matter if I want to or not. Jesus is not just the Lamb of God who cleans up my messes. He's also the line of the tribe of Judah that tells me what to do. And I say, yes, sir. I want the fear of man to be replaced with the fear of God. Man. All right, I'll read this one. I, I, I gave you a quote from chapter one, chapter two. I'll give you a teaser, a, a quote from chapter three. Um, says this, the Holy Spirit came into this world without a body, seeking bodies through which he could do the work of God in the world. And we yield our bodies to him. They become in reality, the body of the Holy Spirit. He has no body through which to work except your body and mine. That's powerful. Jesus came to this earth and he got a human body. The Holy Spirit was released and he doesn't get one body like Jesus. That's why Jesus says, it's better that I go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit so that you can actually become the temple of the living God. So that you actually are embodying the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that's in my body right now can actually dwell in your body. The Holy Spirit has no voice other than out of your mouth and my mouth. 
The Holy Spirit has no hands, physical hands, to go lay hands on somebody and pray. He's looking for a body to come inside of and say, hey, put your hand here and let's do this together. The Holy Spirit has no physical body other than yours and mine. Hmm. All right. Oh, man, I got to wrap this up already. Shoot. All right. Hmm. How do I want to land this plane? There's so many good things left here. Um, all right. Oh, let's just do that. Okay. So let's, let's just have the, the worship team come on up. I, I'll, I'll talk because they're, they're coming up. Um, I said one of the definitions is a further filling as a result of a further surrender, a further submitting. I'm so glad that I don't have to get everything in this Sunday. I got two more Sundays to keep preaching this stuff. But ah, I didn't get to it. All throughout Scripture, there is this experience. I gave you Peter's experience. Paul has an experience too where he comes. Oh, man. Acts chapter 2, that was the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 5, that's 10 years later. There's still people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10 is 10 years later. Acts chapter 19, where Paul shows up, is 25 years after the day of Pentecost. So I'm just letting you know, it, it, it's just the story of the church, people being filled. But in Acts chapter 19, Paul says this. He comes to a body of believers, and he says, and he asks them a question. Did you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you received Christ? Again, going back to that statement. Well, when I was saved, I received the Holy Spirit. You can argue with other scriptures all you want, but at some point you're arguing with Paul, the greatest apostle ever, ever to live, who wrote a third of the New Testament. He separated. He said, oh, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Great. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? 25 years later, he's asking people, did you have a secondary experience? You can argue, you can be uncomfortable all you want, but take it back to God's word. Argue with Paul the apostle. Argue with Peter. Argue with Jesus. At some point, it is a submission. It's saying, I'm wrestling, I don't understand, I don't like it, but I surrender. I surrender. It's a further surrendering so that a further filling can happen. I didn't even get to explain all of what the further filling is for, but maybe I'll have to tie that into next week. But it is this idea, it's a complete work. I'll finish with this. I have so many things in my head. I'll finish with this one. When you were baptized into Jesus or saved, you became a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, right? So I'm believing that most of you in this room, you are saved. You are a new creation. When you are water baptized, you are cut off from your old man. You left the old man in the water and you came up and you said, I'm no longer listening to that old man. So you were already a new creation, but now that old man has been cut off of you. When you're baptized into the Holy Spirit, you are empowered to now live your new life. There are too many people who are saved from their sins and are trying to live detached from this old man. And you need power from the Holy Spirit to walk victoriously 
in a progressive, ongoing, fulfilling, joy-filled life with Christ. Like I said, I'm not satisfied with just preaching salvation here. I want to see you living an abundant life. I want to see you walking as more than a conqueror, super victorious, where nothing slows you down. There is no sin that easily entangles you or trips you up. But you are free from the law of sin and death. So enough of me preaching. Would you just close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I've said a lot this morning. But just begin to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Do I need to shift some thinking? Do I need to change the way I view things? God, I don't even understand. I, I'm praying this prayer and you can just join with me. God, I don't understand everything your word says, but I submit to it. I, I choose to submit to you as the Lamb of God, but also as the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. I yield, I further submit, and I confess with my mouth, I want a further filling. I hunger not to just be saved from sin, but to crush the deeds of darkness under my feet, to forcefully advance your kingdom everywhere I go. I want in on the battlefield. I want the gates of hell not to prevail against me. I want to live a super victorious life. I want to set other people free. I want to join you in becoming like you. Not just overcoming temptation, but actually setting captives free, healing broken hearts. I want to join you, Jesus, in your ministry. Jesus, I want to join you in advancing your kingdom. You said your kingdom is here. It's at hand. And you taught us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. I want to be in on, the, in on the action here and now. So I offer my life, I offer my body for Holy Spirit, you to come and fill me. Fill me afresh and anew. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.